0: When, when the price of oil is high. <laughs> um, the, the the price per barrel is like hundred dollars a barrel. Everybody's good, everybody's happy. And when it dropped to like 42 in 2016, sheesh, and I was on the Ex-I-Mobile portfolio. And um, what ended up happening was we they stopped completing, they stopped drilling and they stopped um, completing projects. And so they really didn't have anything for me to do. (laughs) And so they tried to move me around and they offered me a position, which would have been a QA position, which would have been half my salary with more time in the office. And I say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take the severance and bet on myself. And my goal was to really just dive into this real estate, creative deals, wholesaling. That was really the plan. And um, in my research, I came across a video on short-term rentals. And I was like, man, what is this about? And um, I had recently contracted two properties that I closed on. And one I was going to flip, one I was going to keep. And um, so I decided to try the short-term rental thing on that one that I was going to keep. I was worried about it because of
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Short Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's going on, E?
2: My brother, good afternoon. It is it's such a good man, life is so good. I know I keep I keep recording and I keep I I listen and I edit the podcast and I feel like I say the same thing every time, but it's just how I feel, right? It's just that that overall attitude that I have um and and life just keeps reinforcing it right i have so much things happening so many things to do um and sometimes lately i've been kind of in a space of having to remind myself why we do what we do uh, because at times it's been feeling a little overwhelming um and you just so just good morning routines good morning rituals and just reconnecting to our bigger why um that kind of helps you not not drown (laughs) when you have those moments you're like oh my goodness I'm doing way too many things um and then life just keeps rewarding me so I'm I'm just really excited and I'm super stoked for this episode because the 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 guest that we have on is a absolute rock star um I get inspired kind of intimidated by him every time I share a room with him um so I'm very very grateful to have him on our show uh, I'm just looking forward to learning from him, um, as I have a lot over these last couple of
1: months. 100%. 100%. Yeah, man, it's funny. I've been reading uh, this book by Napoleon Hill, Outwitting the Devil. If you guys haven't checked that out, unbelievable book. And it uh, talks about how you know, the biggest power that the, the devil or whatever you want to call it has over us is getting us to drift our focus from what mm-hmm. we really want. And uh, it's super powerful, super powerful. So real quick, E, what's, what's new in your world in the real estate space? What's going on, man? I know oh, my busy. goodness. Are you
2: yeah. So, I mean, I, we keep putting things on the contract, helping a lot of buyers and sellers um, kind of maximizing this time on the market. Um, our, we're back at, at all-time high occupancy across our entire portfolio. Um, we're literally, and people are coming out of the woodworks. And that, I was telling that to my team today. We have clients that haven't come down in four or five years that are now texting us and everybody wants to be down uh, and, and everybody wants to buy a house. And, and so really, it's amazing because the vision that I had of being a vertically integrated business that helps people come down on vacation and then we sell them a house and then we manage it for them. It's happening uh, right now. Uh, so that's, that's been exciting. Um, when did you close on your on your hotel?
1: supposed to be next it was supposed to be last week and then we had an issue the appraiser put the wrong address on the appraisal report and then the oh, lender wow. threw a fit like right literally right. one little <laughs> one little hiccup yeah and uh <laughs> that just screwed it all up so it's supposed to be next week now yeah but uh excited for that man we've been going on a on a hiring spree so we're Supposed to, we got our hearing next week for a liquor license for the first hotel. So hopefully that goes mm. smooth. So looking to bring on some bartenders, bar back, bouncer kind of deal for having some drinks on the deck. We're rebuilding the entire deck, expanding it, putting in bar top seating all the way around, overlooking the ocean. It's going to be sick. I can't wow. wait. Um, adding some new staff for that property. The new property, I just brought on another full-time VA for the short-term rental business. We're in expansion mode, man. It's a, it's a lot. It's. uh, I always tell people it kind of comes in flows. Like we have this huge growth period, then we kind of stabilize. It's smooth sailing for a while, and then you hit this huge upswing again, and everything gets crazy again, and then you set up, you know, improve your systems, build your staff, and then you stabilize it again. So it's this constant evolution and this wave of uh, activity, but it's fun, man, and it's just how you keep leveling up, and you do it when you can do it. So yeah, I've been actually.
2: talking to a lot of VAs um, before we we let TJ take the stage. And, and that's been very interesting because uh, there is a lot of people. And what I realized very similar to what Kyle said in the last interview, which I keep in the back of my mind is understanding the interview process versus how they're actually going to be in person and what are, are their check and balances to make sure that the quality of the people that I hire are going to be great. Um, so far, my out desk is pretty much, on top of everybody else, in the sense of the quality uh, guarantee and the quality of process and the quality of their people, um, but I'll keep you guys posted who we actually kind of decide to go with. But my outdesk was extremely impressive. So if you are looking for a VA company, um, they're great, and they they were co-founded by uh, a friend of ours from from GoBundance. So it's it's good to keep it within the family as awesome. well.
0: Awesome. But what's the charge for that for the VAs approximately? So
2: what's very interesting with my Outdesk is that they charge you base, they give you three options. You can do a three-month commitment that gets automatically renewed for 12 months at that rate. You mm. can do a six-month commitment that gets automatically renewed for 12 months at that rate, or you do a 12-month commitment from the beginning. Mm. If you do 12 months from the beginning, that's their best rate, it is 1,779. And then it goes to 1,889 and 1,999. If you do just the three months. Okay. Um, But what's amazing with them is that they hire only the best of the best and they have a great employee package. So their goal is to keep VAs in within the company for very many, many, many years and they invest in them and they allow them after um, X amount of time, they'll become a bank for them for major life expenses. So they'll help them buy a house They'll help them pay for their kids going to college, medical bills, right? So it's this very deep culture within the company rather than just being a bunch of VAs kind of running each other. It's an American-based company that runs business in the Philippines um, and has amazing culture. And they, they wrote the book on, on, on virtual assistants. So it's been, but it's been such an um, informative kind of experience for me because, as Mike was saying, you have to grow and it comes into little bursts, and I've been afraid of this part of my growth for a little while, right? Of becoming the boss and having to hire people and having to do interviews. Um, so it's very. I'm taking it's actually my ass a lot on of fun. this
1: for like two years.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I mean. It's been it's been a lot of fun, you know. What I mean, it's actually fun to put yourself out there and be able to share your vision with people um, and seeing how you can find the people to go into the right seats. For you,
1: well, you gotta talk to Dan and get him to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> that was a hell of a promo.
2: I know, right? But, uh, and I yeah, even remember a, all good. the prices, which is which is amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. hook us up. He's out. a good
1: dude. I like Dan a lot. I like yeah. Dan a lot. So, let, let's get a cracking though,
2: because I yeah, want to get. Sorry, TJ sorry, TJ. You today.
1: <laughs> so today we've got our good friend Mr. TJ to Johnny in the house. He is a right. graduate of the University of Houston with a degree in mechanical engineering. Uh, Back in 2012, while working in the oil and gas industry, he bought his first investment property back in 2015. And then between 2015 and 2017, he went on to complete several wholesale and fix and flip transactions. He also purchased several rental properties. In 2017, he discovered the short-term rental strategy and he hasn't looked back. He's bought and remodeled his first short-term rental property in November 2017, uh, his portfolio now consists of a mix of single family and multifamily properties that he buys, remodels, furnishes, and turns them into full-time short-term rentals. He also has uh, full-time units that he rents via rental arbitrage. And now he teaches and ed- educates others on how they can do the same thing. So without further ado, my man, Mr. TJ J- to Johnny, yeah, yeah. welcome to the show.
0: Man, appreciate y'all having me, man. Listen, this is a long time coming. <laughs> Listen, I, I just got to say, man, I think- Probably one of the biggest blessings about how we connect on Clubhouse is literally these kind of relationships and linking up with people like y'all, man. I mean, y'all have no idea what kind of value y'all add to me every single day um, and sharing the stage with y'all consistently. And uh, it's been it's been amazing. It's been amazing. So uh, I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm originally born in Nigeria. So I'm a Yoruba boy. So trust me. I uh, for those who don't think about that. But I um, grew up here in Houston. I came here when I was eight years old. And uh, you know, it was a single mom with five kids. I had four siblings till this day. I don't know how my mom did it. I really don't know how she raised all <laughs> five of us. Um, you know, things weren't easy at all. Uh, things weren't always sweet. I ended up being the first of my family to go to college. I had to put myself through college. I worked two jobs while I was in school, sometimes three. Uh, one of the main things that I did um, in college. Was I, I mean, I did a few things. I worked at Foot Action, uh, selling shoes and, uh, and apparel. I was a math tutor. So I actually had my own classroom. I was a TA and I worked on campus as a, um, as a math. As a math tutor. And so I was I taught college algebra, calculus, business calculus, um, studied engineering and, um, you know, people, people, uh, people kind of I was really good at math. And so people kind of looked to me for that. But um, things in college was was very interesting. And I ended up graduating uh, with landed a full time job with an oil and gas company. That was another another thing that I did. I was able to uh, land a co-op position with an oil and gas company, um, worked there while I was in college. Then um, ended up graduating and working with them full time, um, and I didn't hate it. Uh, actually, was 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 good opportunities to travel. Um, the the only downside is my time, right? It, it required me to work um, offshore. I was working on the rigs on the subsea installation vessels, and um, and what that did though was I while I was in town, my time at the office was limited though. So whenever I was in town, um, I took advantage and I was just studying up on real estate. And um, a good friend of mine, one of my frat brothers, um, he reached out to me and he said that, hey, you know, I know you've been kind of, you just kind of seem to have an entrepreneurship spirit, and um, that he said you should read this book, Rich That Poor Dad. Hardly enough, I had never heard of it. I'd heard of it. I had just graduated from college, had never heard of uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And he just he said, man, read this book, dude. I just got done reading. It's like you need to read this book. So I read it. Uh, I, I I bought the book. And the thing is, the day that it came in, the very next day, I had to ship off for a three-week hitch offshore. So I ended up reading it while I was out offshore in like four days, <laughs> and I actually ended up reading it twice. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what really kind of turned me into owning assets. And I was like, man, I want to own some assets. And um, so then I started to um, learn, got, got into the game, started learning. I joined a local real estate group called Lifestyles, for anybody who knows anything about that. They're in Texas mainly. Um, their main strategy was buy and hold. I said, I wanted to own assets. That was their strategy. So I tapped in with them um, and started leveraging their resources. I joined a group. It cost me to join a group. I went ahead and paid, um, started getting educated on how to buy real estate, um, got educated on how to leverage hard money lenders. And so my very first property that wasn't a hard money deal was a property that I just bought conventionally, um, put put a tenant in it and I ran it out. Um, and then then I started using private money and hard money to start funding deals and started executing the birth strategy. And so I started using the birth strategy, started st- uh, buying rental properties. And then I realized that, man, this is this entrepreneurship bug is too heavy. So I set a goal and I said, man, when I get to 10 rental properties, I'm going to walk away from my six figure engineering job. That was my goal. And so then came 2017, uh, actually really started 2015 when the market when everything's great, right? When, when the price of oil is high, <laughs> um, the, the, the price per barrel was like a hundred dollars a barrel. Everybody's good. Everybody's happy. And when it dropped to like 42 in 2016, sheesh. And I was on Exxon mobile portfolio. And um, what ended up happening was we, they stopped completing, they stopped drilling and they stopped um, completing projects And so they really didn't have anything for me to do. (laughs) And so they tried to move me around and they offered me a position, which would have been a QA position, which would have been half my salary with more time in the office. And I say, you know what? I am going to go ahead and take the severance and bet on myself. And my goal was to really just dive into this real estate, creative deals, wholesaling. That was really the plan. And, um, in my research, I came across a video on short-term rentals and I was like, man, what is this about? And, um, I had recently contracted two properties that I closed on and one I was going to flip one I was going to keep. And, um, so I decided to try the short-term rental thing on that one that I was going to keep. I was worried about it because it was in a highly gentrified area, area still behind, you know, there's still a lot, a lot going on. It wasn't really caught up quite yet, but, um, I learned that the short-term rental strategy is more so by proximity, right? It's a proximity-based business. And, you know, as long as I can make the property beautiful, um, I think I'll be all right. And that was my goal. I did a full gut rehab on it, end up coming through furnishing the property, and listed it the very next day. I had two bookings. And then that's when I decided to sink my teeth in. Listen, I'm I'm a numbers guy, right? By trade and, and, and as an engineer. So I decided and decided to 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 go straight into short term rentals to make that the main strategy was because when I got those two bookings, I did the math. And I said, man, even if I'm just only half occupied, even if I'm just 50% occupied, I'd still make more than what I would as a traditional real property. So I ended up blowing that goal out the water the very that first full month, that property brought in 5k. And I was like, okay, my mortgage on the property is about $1,300. Uh, my, the traditional rental on that property, property would have rented for about $1,700, $1,800. So I was looking at a four to $500 cash flow net. And so then when I realized that I can literally 5X that by making the property a short term rental, then I decided that's why I was like, all right, this is this, this is where I need to be. And so cash flow was the name of the game for me because you know, not having a full-time job anymore, I didn't want to just be dependent on money that would just come in bulk. Maybe I might close two deals this month. I might not close any deals this I might close five deals this month. And so, which is good. You could definitely set up a, a nice wholesaling business. And um, but I decided to go into the short-term rental space because man, I just saw an opportunity there and I liked it. Honestly, there are phases about this business that I just liked. I liked I discovered things by myself that I didn't know. I didn't know I had an eye to design anything, <laughs> to be honest. But I realized that I'm not that bad at it. And um, you know, building systems. And I was like, man, this 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 short term rental. thing. is is, is hands-on like there's so many moving parts but then i learned that if i can build a system though to really automate mostly everything and still take benefit and still and still um still be able to take advantage of the increased cash flow that this is the way to go so i started getting educated Started getting really educated. Started diving, uh, sinking my teeth in, and so then I, um, my next unit was rental arbitrage unit. Started picked up another arbitrage unit, then I picked up a duplex that I purchased, and so now my niche is to really purchase small multifamily properties, um, still fix these properties, I'll do a full gut rehab, leverage private money, buy these properties, um, furnish these properties, and make them full time short term rentals. And my yields are amazing with the ones that I own. But while I do that, I still pick up rental arbitrage. That allows me to scale the business, still earn amazing cash flow with my rental arbitrage units. And that's how I was able to scale the business. Uh, but it's just interesting how that pivot kind of happened because I was definitely going to be all into wholesaling. Um, that was definitely going to be my thing. And also wholesaling is amazing. Right. And, and I always tell people <laughs> it's interesting because when I was working in college, when I was in college, I worked at foot action and I did it for two and a half years when I was in college. And, um, What would happen about once a month, about twice a month, they will like have this crazy sale on all the Jordan apparel and Nike apparel that didn't sell like that month. So they'll have these crazy sales, like 50% discount. Then I'll tack on my additional um, 30% employee discount. And so I will be buying these Jordan apparel for like $5, right? Literally. And uh, then I will buy as much as I could. And I'll take them back to the dorm rooms on campus and I will sell them for 25, 30 bucks. They retail for about 55, 60 bucks. So guess what I was doing? I was wholesaling these apparel, <laughs> I was wholesaling these Jordan shorts. So when I started getting tapped into even investing and wholesaling, I was like, man, I've been doing this. Okay, I could do this. I just got to do it with houses this time. Okay. So uh, so it was just kind of interesting how that happened. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, you know, this is this is a game that that I like. I really, really enjoy it. I think the most fulfilling thing, though, is being able to show people how to get to the six-figure bag in this in the short-term rental business, whether they want to own these assets, or whether they want to rent these assets. Uh, we specialize in both, and so, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much how how I got here. I know that was a little bit winded, but you know, since we're having a conversation, I figured I'd break things down a little bit.
1: Yeah, dude, I love it. I love it. And you mentioned the Burr strategy, and a lot of yeah. investors know what that is, but <clears throat> do you want to break down that? Yeah, that phrase for people, like for for the newbies, what does Burr stand for?
0: Absolutely. There are four Rs. Um the Burr strategy is where you buy, um, you rehab, then rent, refinance, and repeat. That's what the Burr stands for, is the acronym of it. Um, it's interesting how that whole thing came about. People didn't used to call it that, like in 2012,
1: 2013. I think Brandon coined that term, or <laughs> oh, no. at least he's, he's getting credit for it. Man.
0: He is <laughs> the first. The first time I heard it was on Bigger Pockets. That was the first time I heard about it. Um, so, so it was interesting how to happened. So, yeah, that's essentially what it is. But I guess in our case, it's like a bur. There's an "f" in there for furnish, right? Instead of buy, rent, rehab, it's like buy just rehab it and then furnish it, then rent it out. And so, uh, but, but it's, but it's great because um, even though, and I like to tell people and we can get into the weeds of it, but um, you know, with the birth strategy, you, the, 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 great thing is, is that if you buy it right. Um, the short term rental income is, is is amazing. And if you if that's if that's your exit strategy. But the thing is, is that you can't buy it based off income. Don't don't look up numbers on Air DNA or Airbnb. And say, oh, OK, this this can rent for this many amount of nights. OK, then then based on that number, that's how you structure your offer for for a property that you want to buy and burr. Don't do that, still use traditional numbers. Man, a lot of people down burn doing that. So, I always like to tell people, um, especially when I, I went because one part of what I teach is this burst strategy to short to str strategy. Um, so I always always have to let people know that they have to make their, their numbers are tight up front and do not buy it with but with short term rental numbers. That's just icing on the cake. Once you buy with traditional rental numbers for sure, 100. percent
2: would yeah. you say you do you tell that to your students for their arbitrage units as well? Because I know I've that's been a message that I've I've told people a lot. It's is to run numbers as long term rentals too, just in case something was to happen and you need to cover the bill. Or or how do you tell them to protect themselves on that side?
0: So with the with the arbitrage side, uh, it's a little different because you know you're not you know your your fallback. Usually on the arbitrage side is just to keep keep it pushing right, just keep just move it, and I've and and, and that's happened to me a couple of times right, to where we have these units that we're arbitraging, but something happens that they pull the rug up under us right. The property goes under new management. They say oh man, we can't we can't renew your lease for these corporate leases. I've had man I had a townhome one time in downtown Houston. This property is bringing me like seven grand a month. It was a four story townhome, and I had it for a year and a half, and but the owner lived in Vegas and he was a pharmacist, and he ended up he was like man I'm moving back to Houston. I kind of need my house back. So I had to give him his house back. Um, Those are the kind of adjustments that you might have to make with Arbitrage. But it's interesting because on the Arbitrage side, a lot of people don't really think that it's mobile, but it can be very mobile, especially once you've actually built out the infrastructure and you actually have mastered how to actually communicate with landlords to get the yes from them. Cause you once you master that, you can literally write write your own ticket in this business. So once you when, when, and when something like that happens, you can just okay cool. I understand. understand. Um, go get another unit. Like literally just go get another unit and just move all your pay pay the moving costs and just move all your all your furniture in there. So um when it comes to especially on the arbitrage side I like to let people know that the value of your business isn't isn't the asset isn't really the isn't really the the, the units that you're renting right. There. The the value isn't the the cash flow really, the true value of business is the infrastructure, is the systems, is the actual business that you build. How 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 much of a well oiled machine is it? That's the value of your business. And when you have that down pack. stuff like that happening will not even phase you, will not even worry you because you know that you have the right infrastructure, and you can move. That's you can just keep the party moving. And I've actually been in opportunities to where, being, moving from one unit to another actually gave me more opportunities because I was able to take down even more units. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you can give me two more. All right, let's, let's, let's take those down too. So listen, don't, 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 uh, you know, some people are scared of stuff like that, but do not be, it's a great business to be in for sure.
1: I want to touch on that. Cause I was doing some research the other day. Cause <clears throat> as you know, like we're on clubhouse all the time, by the way, if you guys that are listening to this podcast, make sure you join the free Facebook group. Cause we, we live stream this every single time we record it. And so I was reading through some of the comments. Mark Simpson, our boy, says, he your
0: hat to We got you to drop I the Shopify hat- Hey, <laughs> listen, Mark, all, all of us. Don't worry, Mark. I got you. I'm sending, I'm sending the hats out and a shirt. I got a shirt. I don't have the shirt on now, but I got a Ranspenewa shirt. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay y'all up. Say less, Mark. I got you. <laughs> but one thing I
1: want to touch on is I was doing some research because there's a lot of people out there that are they're, they make it sound like doing six figures or seven figures is easy on Airbnb. Mm. And I was like, so how many people are actually making that kind of money? Right? Mm. And I, I ran the numbers and I did some research. And it said that there's 2.9 million hosts on Airbnb right now. 14,000 new hosts join every month. Mm. Less than 2% make 100 grand or more. A year? and I wanna, Yeah. What? And I... I want to touch on that because you said something. And if you listen to all of our podcasts and E and I talk about this all the time, they, everybody throws it in there subtly. But when you decided to get into the business, you said, I got educated. Right. Mm. When, when people getting in this business, there's a very low barrier to entry, but it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So I've invested E's invested, TJ's invested in the education. Yeah. And, When you learn from people that are operating at a six and seven figure level, they're gonna show you what it really takes to build that business and that infrastructure like TJ's talking about because it's easy to go out and get a unit. Like it's not that hard, but if you wanna get a unit, make it very profitable and then scale that Mm -hmm. to get to that six and seven figure level, you have to learn how to build a business around it. Mm -hmm. And most people don't understand that. And I don't wanna undermine the fact that to get to that level, it's not easy, especially if you don't have the right mentors and you're not listening to podcasts like this and you're not learning the business. Like, it's an uphill battle. Absolutely. So, like, that theme is interwoven into every single one of these podcasts subliminally, not by us, but by the guests. Like, they yeah. all say the same thing. Like, if you want to get into a business and crush it, there's a reason why there's that 2% rule that only 2% of people are really doing it at a high level. Because they've invested in themselves and they treat it like a business.
0: Mm. You know, that man, uh, my huge, phenomenal point. So and it's interesting because people kind of look at, especially on the arbitrage side, it says a low barrier to entry. Right. And so people say, OK, well, all I got to do is just get this lease and I'm off to the races. And they go in and, and they take down leases the wrong way. <laughs> Matter of fact, even, even at the start, it's wrong. <laughs> um, so they take down these leases. They're, they get into the, they're uneducated. They don't know how to handle turnovers. They don't know how to handle security issues that they come up. They really don't know how to speak into the guests and really provide that experience that they really need to keep them coming back. And so a lot of people, when they ask me, well, why are you teaching this business, right? aren't you creating more just competition in the marketplace? Well, the thing is, when you think about it, who's the real competition? Listen, is there direct competition? Yes, there is some direct competition, but the real competition are hotels. When you think of that, that's our real competition because we provide such a different experience right? Uh, than a hotel. Um, but it's the same reasons why people need to book a hotel, the same reasons why they need to book with us. So there are real competition. So right now, I think about 35% of people that book on Airbnb, still their first time using the platform. So if they have an experience with somebody who's just coming in here uneducated, um, and they don't, they don't get a good experience, and I guess what that does to the entire short-term in the marketplace, it helps the hotels. And so because they're going to say, man, this Airbnb, I'm not going to book no Airbnb no more. They're going to book with a hotel next time. So I much rather educate people to get into this business. That way, they're doing it the right way, and that way, that it helps the entire short-term rental marketplace as a whole. So, is there a direct competition? Yes, there is. Yes, but for if you're doing it right, if you have your systems down packed if you are actually providing the right kind of experience for the people that you host, there's plenty to eat. Trust me, there's no shortage of amazing hosts on the platform or just in this business industry at all. So there's plenty to eat always, always for the good hosts, for sure.
1: And it helps us on the regulatory battle, right? Exactly. The, the bad apples yes. out there that aren't doing it the right way. Those are the stories that you hear in the news. And right. those are the ones that are spurring all these regulations that are hindering the growth of this business Facts. but yeah i think you want to jump in on something so i apologize i cut you off bro
2: no man i i the other thing to me and it's very similar to what kyle spoke about is is you gotta worry about being abundant that's all you have to worry about because if you keep worrying about the fact that other people are gonna do your thing and they're gonna take your cake You end up not eating it and you're not going to enjoy what you eat anyways, because you're going to be worried about other stuff. Right. What I see a lot of the times in the way that I approach it all the time, having a property management company um, and not doing arbitrage is that I see all these people as future clients. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is a lot of people are not really leveled and what they're chasing is the quick, is the quick money. And it's funny that TJ's background is in wholesaling because wholesaling is the other thing that I hate, within quotations mark, because it's it's the get rich quick, and in reality, most people go in it have no idea what they're doing, spend some money doing their first round of mailers, have no budget for the rest of their mailers, and 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 they just end up wasting a bunch of money, are not educated as to how to recognize a good deal, and they just leave. And, and so that's why wholesalers also get a very bad rep because 90% of them, 95% or 98% of them probably don't know what they're doing. And the 2% they do, is like being a great minor league baseball player, right? If you're a great minor league baseball player, you're going to go to the major sooner or later. A great wholesaler is going to go to the major sooner or later and start keeping his own deals and getting educated because at the end of the day, wholesaling is a very much time-consuming activity versus what we do, which is it's creating a business and leveraging people and leveraging systems, which you can do with wholesaling as well. But that's not what people talk to you about. They get you in because it's like, it's easy money. You can do it with no money and make a ton of money, which is all true. But you're not educated. And most of the time, you're just going to get out of the business. And then people like us will be there and and we'll pick up the scraps.
0: It's like it's like it's like running a marathon. When you think about what it takes to run a marathon, in theory, it's easy, right? One foot after the other, right? I just want in theory, but it's very difficult to run a marathon. You need to get training to train your butt off. So it's like the same thing. The concept of wholesaling. Okay. Put a property in a contract. You flip the contract. But man, wholesaling is actually probably, in my opinion, the hardest real estate strategy to do. So
2: I agree. And that's a low-key thing that people don't understand when people are like, I hate wholesaling. It's like, how do you hate wholesaling? It's for the little people to get in the business. I'm like, that's not true. Like, that's not a thing, you know? Um, Dude, I I love your whole story. Um, I I love the hustle. You could tell the hustle. And it's funny because I watched a clip from Kevin Hart on 10X. And Kevin Hart used to sell shoes also. Have you seen uh, that clip? Well it would be like sell me a shoe and it's like Kevin Hart selling Greg Cardone a shoe on thing and it's just like the 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 hustler mentality of like you know what I mean like how you how you do it um where how many units do you have now and and what are your goals for the year? Where do you see yourself going?
0: Oh, well, that's a great question man. I am at twenty six now um and what great news is I just contracted a thirteen unit building this is my first commercial property and i'm going to be converting those to boutique hotels as well <laughs> uh, appreciate Boom, that let's go so uh, i'm excited about that but in the midst of that remember i always will still build my arbitrage side so i'm looking to add at least 10 more units on the arbitrage side by the end of the year and uh, probably gonna be more than that to be honest and uh, i'm looking my first time this year is likely going to end off in a different market because all of my units are in houston like literally all my units are in houston all within 10 minutes away from each other. (laughs) So uh, I just got really niche and I just, I just love that. I just knew and I understood a particular area, a particular market. I just got really granular with it. Um, But uh, it's likely that I'll be in a different market. Most likely Austin. Um, That's the next market I'm going to be in tapping into. So, but I'm excited for us to come for sure.
2: Awesome. Um, So obviously with the fact that you can afford to be thinking of growth, I assume you have an infrastructure of people and, and teams kind of behind you. Yeah. Um, that's that's become one of my favorite conversations. Um, so what does that, what does the back of the house look like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course you need, well, I like to categorize the different team members. You have your field team, and your technology team. Um, so there, you know, we have a nice technology package, technology stack that starts from even the physical pieces of technology that are on the, pro- that are at the properties, right? Automated door locks, your cameras, your, your noise monitoring systems, things like that. And it transitions into your channel manager. We have all that uh, guest communication software. We have all that. Um, we use a guidebook, um, digital guidebook. At that, um, you know, even the way we collect, you know, people sign in to get their Wi-Fi at the unit. That's all technology, right? Um, and all the way to our uh, field team, which right now consists of the cleaner, which is the most important team member that you're going to have. I think most most short term rental hosts would agree. Um, and it's interesting because during the winter storm here in Houston, well, all of Texas really, um, I had one of the cleaners pretty much couldn't. <laughs> she she quit on me, right? And so it's 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 great because even that day I had a, I had a check in that same day, but it's good because when you have when you have good systems, when you have a good team, uh, one of the one of the best phrases that I heard coming into this business is always 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 be looking for cleaners, always always have backup cleaners, and so we were able to get somebody else in there that has literally been chopping at the bits for, for us to give them a chance. And so they got in there and they got it done that same day before the next check-in. And um, so we're definitely looking to, to to see how it goes with them to, to keep them on. Uh, then of course, we have, um I have a VA that handles uh, a lot of the back-end communication from um, the detailed guest communication that needs to take place, coordinating with maintenance um, and um, making sure, that, you know, all the door locks are set, taking all the field and all the calls from the uh, from guest right now. And we'll definitely, I'm definitely gonna be talking to you e, right now. I'm still figuring, still trying to get another VA right now to add it to the team. I also have a maintenance guy that's on retainer. He's actually on, on retainer. He, um he handles all my maintenance issues and especially for somebody like me who actually is a landlord host, right? So I need my own maintenance guy to be able to, to tap in when I need him to. Um, whether we have zero maintenance issues that month or 30 maintenance issues that month, um, he gets paid the same. And um so he he's pretty happy. Do you mind sharing
2: how much you pay him?
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> well, you don't have to. You don't have so, to.
0: So let's just say let's just say it's between yeah, um, between is good. Let's, yeah, let's just say it's between five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a month.
2: Okay. Fair. On, on the that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's what I used to do at the beginning, right? I had I had people on retainer and I, I mentioned that to somebody on on Clubhouse yesterday. I like yeah. a, on the 24 hour thing. I haven't yeah. been able to be on there since the 24 hour thing. I'd like burn myself out. I don't know how you guys do it, <laughs> it so on. often, um, but it's, it's such a great way for you. It's just how creative you can be. Right. And so yeah. a, a great way to have a handyman on call is paying my retainer. Yeah. And obviously on that, a, a little quick tip that I learned over time is you want to start on the low end and then, and then, cause what, you can what? always blame it on the yeah. accidentals of world. Well, is usually not this intense, uh, which just was a bad month. Uh, that has always worked in my favor, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a great way to grow your team without taking on a full time mm-hmm. salary employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also definitely a way to groom somebody to then possibly become somebody that you bring full time yeah. in house. Yeah. Um, on the cleaning people. So does that mean that you you hire in house?
0: So for me, our my cleaning team is third party. It's third party. Okay. We have two different cleaning crews. Yeah. Um, I have a crew that cleans all of my units that I own. And I have a different crew that cleans all my arbitrage units. And as we scale and we grow, we'll bring on even more cleaning crews. Uh, but I, you know, I, I just want to make sure that, and they're a third party company. So I'm, I believe I'm likely probably the biggest client, but I'm not their only client. Um, so we want to make sure that we're not stretching them too thin. Uh, we want to make sure that cleans is are going to be done on time. Um. Really, if we have a check-in or not that day, we need to make sure that we're done on time. Um. And so, yeah. So I think you know, I probably I don't know how much I would probably recommend. Um. But for 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 us, you know, each right right now, that's just kind of how how it works for us right now. And uh, I think once we probably add another maybe five units, we'll probably bring in a third cleaning crew. Um. Then we'll just kind of keep going from there. So important, very important team member. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we got it going on.
1: love that, man. I love that. <clears throat> and thank you for breaking that down. Cause I feel like I know when I got started, I was always trying to figure out, and even now, you know, we're going to be at 40 units next week. Sweet. I'm always looking at the guys that are at hundred, 200, 500, a thousand units. And I'm always like, what does that infrastructure look like? Yeah. You know, and it's always good to see, like, okay, when I'm starting out, here's where I'm going to be at, and then this is what I'm working towards if that's actually my goal. Yep. And so, mm. we've talked about this a little bit, and I just want to reiterate it with with you, right? Because I feel like you said it: the cleaners are the lifeblood of the business. And people ask me all the time, like, how much should I pay my cleaners, and how much should I pay my handyman, and all these different things. And I'm like, man, I, I pay my cleaners well, like. I, obviously it's, it's a fair rate, but if it's market, then I want to go a little bit above market. If, if they do a good job and set up bonus and bonus incentives and things like that. And, you know, they're a part of my team. I want them to feel like part of my team. And I think think a lot of people go the other route of trying to squeeze as much out of Mm. everything as possible instead of building, Mm. building a a team, like an actual team, you know I mean? Whether they're third party or they're in house I want to build relationships with people so that like they enjoy working for me and it's a mutually yep. beneficial relationship. So like, Absolutely. you know, I have, cause once you build those relationships, it gets really easy to get new units. Cause I just plug it into the system. Uh-huh. It's like, I've already got the team in place. I, I communicate ahead of time. Hey, we're adding this many units. Are we good to go? Do you need to bring anybody on? What do you need mm-hmm. for me to make that easier for you? Yep. And then we just keep going. And I just want to reiterate that, like, don't try and nickel and dime your cleaners. Yep. Don't try and, you know, I just had this discussion with my team at one of our properties down South where they're like, man, the cleaning fees keep adding up. And I'm like, okay, well, let's renegotiate a fixed rate. Cause they charge us for trash removal and laundry and things like that by the pound, which I'm fine with, but I'm like, Let's average it out. See if we can come to a fixed rate, or let's just bump our cleaning fee. Because I'm not going to nickel and dime them. If mm-hmm. they're doing a good job, I'm fine with paying them. Mm-hmm. We just need to make sure that we're maintaining profitability and adjusting our rates and negotiating fair rates for everything. So, like, I I just want to reiterate that because I I see a lot of people try and. Going the opposite of the abundance route versus the scarcity mindset like he was talking about, like that there's only so much money. No, like if you provide a good experience and you have a good relationship with your team, you're going to keep
0: growing. Absolutely. The fact that we just kind of confirmed that we can all agree that the cleaning team, your cleaning crew is probably the most important team members. That alone should let you know how how well you need to make sure that you take care of them. Especially once you found a good one, we make sure we take care of our cleaners too. And sometimes when I tell the people how much I pay my cleaners, they're like, "Dang, isn't that too high?" Listen, <laughs> you pay for one, you pay for what you get. Secondly, I'm building a team and I want these people to stick with me and I'm building relationships and they, they, they take themselves accountable. They take, they, they take the business just as seriously as I do it, which you want people that feel vested, that they know that, okay, they're, t- they're you know, TJ, I want to make sure that his units are on point because I want to always keep working for him because he takes care of us. So very, 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 very important point that you just made, man. Um, you yeah. know? Yeah.
2: Uh, also guys, like if you think you're paying your cleaners too much, go do a a couple cleans and understand (laughs) the pain that it is to do a cleaning, right? Like how much your back imagine your crew is doing four or five turnovers. Yeah. You know how master backwards Mm. afterwards? Like I have had big turnover times, especially Pre-COVID, right? What was typical for us is in season January, February, and March, we will have huge turnovers. And Mike uh-huh. remembers this. We'll have 16, 17 unit turnovers in the same day. Uh-huh. Right. I will get my team a massage the day after. Uh-huh. Right? Because you understand of having to carry and walk up and yeah, down the goes. stairs and bend down and duck down and check under the beds and do the things. It's just like, dude, it's it's not. It's not easy labor, mm. especially if you want a good cleaner. It's it's hard labor. And I personally hate cleaning. So like if, if somebody was to pay me to clean something, I will want big money. So like pay pay the people good money. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know what you I mean? Know, bro, like I don't even and I said this on clubhouse. I don't even clean my own home. <laughs> yeah, I, no. yeah. I uh I cleaned one of my three bedroom units one time. I was so tired, bro. Man, <laughs> first of all, it took me about almost six hours. Um, <laughs> that's what I need, mean. bro. It was it was bad, and I'm like, never again, never again. So trust me, you are spot on with that, 100. percent And something you just said too definitely just kind of resonated because that's a great idea. I think their next uh, bonuses, I'm gonna include some massage and gift cards. That'd be a nice thing to throw in there for. Good awesome. and like
2: that. and my clean and going back to and I said this a lot it's it's there is this idea in our mind that people that work in the service industry especially cleaners are second-class citizens yeah. right and that's absolute bullshit especially because yes. the fact that they do it for a living you don't know where they're coming from you don't know if that's mm-hmm. their first job second job we have a lot of a lot of people that are immigrants that do cleaning here and i'm sure it's kind of probably similar to to you guys down in houston and you don't know what they did in their past life right they may be coming from another country and they used to be business executive or or this or that and then they come here and you have no idea how humbling it is for them to go from having an office job so imagine me me and you right and going moving i moved to nigeria and i don't know how to speak and the only job i can find is a cleaning Mm. and i'm used to doing all of this right so they 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 can feel that right But some of my people were like this is the first time we get a massage i'm like in your wow. life, oh, wow, wow, right in your life. And they're like, yeah, we've never, we don't have, we, we can't afford this. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, dude, that's the experience, right? Like take care of people and be abundant with it. Right. Like what's an extra $20 mm-hmm. in the gray scheme. Of I things? love that.
0: Yeah. Powerfully. I,
1: like I, I want to pull it back TJ. Cause yeah, you know, you're an educator in the space, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd be curious from you. I always like to ask this with the educators, like, what are what's probably the most common question you get asked and the in the biggest mistake that you see with some of your students initially, you know, before mm. they start working with you that you kind yeah. of kind of steer them straight?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think probably one of the most common questions is how do I work with landlords? <laughs> how do I work with landlords? Um, you know, I think that's probably one of the one of the biggest questions that I get. Uh, I want to talk to a landlord. I don't know what to say, or um, um, could you? You know, it's, it's literally it's all around the same questions. And I think probably one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make, and is the same mistake I made, and that's uh, I'm I'm able to educate them on it now. Is just the mentality, and uh, and I and I say this a lot on Clubhouse because it's just so crucial to your success as a rental arbitrage investor, rent arbitrage host. My mentality was so off when I got started, and a lot of people that get into the space, I have to, I have to retrain that mentality going into, you know, it's one of the things that we talk about in the course, um, in the be on on the front end, because, um, you know, it was always a scarcity mentality going into it. It was like, like almost begging. Um, like, please give me your property, rent me your property. Um, I'm doing this Airbnb thing, rent me your property. Um, that mentality is completely off. I think once you actually realize the kind of value that you provide landlords, um, it, then you'll then you'll really grasp the full understanding of how confident you need to be when you go talk to them. Um, because understand you are, and I like to tell people that you're the prize. Okay. You are the prize. Why? Because you are providing an obsessional service to these landlords. And that service is that you're feeling a vacancy, uh, which is the, the most important thing to them. And not only are you feeling that vacancy, but you're feeling that vacancy and you're the perfect tenant while doing it. Um, and that is literally all the landlord wants. And that's what they need. So your ability to convey that effectively um, is what will get you to yes 100 your ability to convey that and and that conveying that effectively means being able to speak to their pain points understanding the plight of a landlord what they require what will actually make their landlord experience enjoyable um is having a good tenant and that's your job is to Is to position yourself as a perfect tenant because you are right and especially if you're if you're educated and you're getting the game on how to really not only take down the units but take care of the properties while providing an exceptional experience. That's really what it is. And if you can do that effectively, you're gonna get good reviews and then always translate to more bookings, will translate to more money. Um, and that will just give you a better opportunity to to keep making money, keep making your landlord happy, taking t- still taking care of the property. Um, so really I think it's kind of just to circle back, that's probably the biggest mistake that I see a lot of people make is to, is the mentality that they have going into uh, the business for sure.
2: Mm. I, um, sorry, Mike. Uh, I, I tell people all the time that that's the same thing with raising money. Yeah. Right. How do you raise money? That's the same conversation. And it's really that owning the fact that by spending time learning, you're not wasting time. You're, building equity, your sweat equity, your brain equity, let's put it right. And then that brain equity is what you bring to the table as you're raising money and you're providing opportunity and caring for people and providing them a solution. And that's that you can frame it into anything, right? Like how do you talk to landlords? That same script, that same mentality upgrade that you, you go through for that is how you approach investors to raise money that may be to just furnish a place. I did that to buy a 34 unit apartment complex, right? Is the same conversation is the same mindset upgrade that you, that you go through and then you apply it to whatever it is. Like you're not, we're not begging people. Okay. But that's a big, that's a big thing in the back of our head, right? It's like, if you're asking for help or if you're asking somebody for something, you're automatically asking for help then you're less than mm-hmm. says who not right okay. if I if I go to somebody and I'm providing an opportunity you're lucky I came to talk to you I could have gone to talk to six other people I chose you mm-hmm. you want to make money together or not
1: totally different ball game
2: totally, totally different
1: it'll it'll literally change the game for you yeah. um so I want to be respectful of your time. I think we said we were going to go 40 minutes. It's already been an hour, (laughs) but that tends to happen when the three of us get together, especially for six hours on that app sometimes. Um, so before we get into our last question, TJ, first, I just want to acknowledge you, man. And, uh, first off say, thank you, man. I truly value our friendship. You know, you're, you're always a giver. You're just like super abundant. You know, I learned so much from you and, um, you know, you're doing a lot of good for this space and helping a lot of people out, including myself. You know, I feel like I always learn stuff hanging out with you and, and hopefully you feel the same way. Absolutely. And, um, you know, truly, truly appreciate you. Um, before we get into the last question, where can folks learn more about you? Yeah. The rentalpreneur swag, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the core stuff, you got the free webinars going, like where can folks yeah. find
0: you, man? So first of all, the rentalpreneur drip is on the way. Okay. It's on the way. Uh, and I mean, tapping with me, I'm, um, you know, uh, social media for me is Instagram and Clubhouse. Um, those are my two biggest platforms right now. And uh, I want to do better because they keep, keep telling me that I'm asleep on this TikTok thing. Uh, so I'm just trying to, I just feel like I got to, <laughs> it's hard to break into that, though, but I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, definitely get tapped with me on Instagram. Uh, simple at TJ to Johnny is my name, nothing complicated. Both names on Instagram and Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, definitely get tapped on me. And I'm actually doing my um, free masterclass tonight. So um, if anybody wants to feel free to tap into that, and I'm actually going to be hosting more in the future, just kind of stay tapped into uh, my Instagram page and uh, look into my link tree. And uh, you'll see that um, as they kind of come up. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. And uh, uh, once I I mean, there's a few things I'm looking to make sure that I uh, get get kind of down packed. I'm a big believer in um, not doing too much at one time. And putting your focus into one thing, and then once you get a good handle on it, once you actually have some automation, some systems, once you actually have some um, everything is running like well, a machine, and you can kind of remove yourself from certain things. Then go ahead and branch off and do other things. So, the entrepreneur merch is literally the next thing on my list. <laughs> That's the next thing on my list. Um, and also, and shoot, I was super inspired by last night's room on about Turo, Turo. So I'm like, man, I got start, get- <laughs> I got start getting some fleets soon, man. So uh, a lot of things in the works, man. A lot of things in the works. Going to be a very, very busy, but amazing year um for i think for all of us man so man, that's how you can get get tapped in with me though
1: and now this episode is going to air on a monday and i think you're doing your your free master classes on thursdays thursdays, thursdays. right yeah, just definitely. to clarify for people yes. so again if you follow tj on instagram and clubhouse you'll find all the links Absolutely. um definitely want to check that out uh definitely follow them on both platforms um I feel like we're on that thing together pretty much every day. The three of us give as much value as possible and uh, just have a blast, man. So the last question that we'd like to ask all of our guests is Mm. what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals?
0: Number one secret to success with short-term rentals. That's a good one. Um, That's a good question. I think, um, and I'm pretty sure I'm probably going to say something that's that, that a lot of folks have said, Um, so for me, I would say when I, when I got going to this business, I struggled quite a bit, um, because I was, I got into it just kind of winging it. Um, but once I actually learned how to, um, even just with one unit was difficult. I was always on my phone responding and all that. So, but once I actually learned, um, how to actually, outsource, I would say effective outsourcing, um, because what that does is, is create more time freedom for me. And that's what allows me to actually take things to a new level. Um, So that's kind of, that's, that's just kind of literally the first thing that popped in my head is literally learning how to delegate and outsource. Um, because that is what has literally created the freedom for me to be able to even scale my business even more. So that's what's really been taking things to another level. And because you can imagine you're doing rehabs, you're picking up more arbitrage units simultaneously, and you have other stuff going on. <laughs> You've got other stuff, other business, your personal life, like it's I had to create that time freedom. And so um I will say that and just stay in, and stay and I'll throw something else in there. Um, I talked, I mentioned earlier about how I used to be, you know, feel like I was kind of doing a lot. Um, I was wholesaling. I was trying to do all kinds of creative deals and wholesale. I was trying to, you know, um, I actually, I also co-own a, a donut shop here in Houston randomly. Um, then my partner's brought me oh, on. What shop? It's a donut shop here in Houston by the Medical Center. Okay. Um, you know, that was something that, you know, my partners were, we were at the time we were in talks of me possibly kind of just taking over operations of that. Um, I was just doing a lot. I was doing a lot at one time. And I realized that, you know, you want you a jack of all trades, you're going to master nothing. Right. That's kind of saying goes, but when I decided to get laser focused, (laughs) that's when opportunities came. When I got laser focused and I decided, you know what? This is the strategy I'm going to get laser focused on. And I don't care how much I struggle. I don't care how hard it gets. I'm going to get past that attrition period, right? That is the attrition to where that every entrepreneur has to face at some point in time, because that's that part where it gets really, really hard and you feel the most discouraged in your business. If you can get over that hump, then you realize how magical things can be on the other side. So um, I just when I made that decision, I don't care how hard it get, I don't care how how much I struggle, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this thing happen, and I'm gonna be. My goal was when you talk about short term rentals, at least in the Houston area. My name used to be in that conversation. I decided that I wanted to be a, a subject matter expert, but that required a laser focused um action on one thing. And um and that's that really played probably one of the biggest roles in me getting to where I am today. Um being laser focused one hundred percent. So good. That's so good.
2: Great. Did you um <clears throat> I love what you said, right? It's it's to me it's a very specific kind of difference there because everybody that looks at somebody that's very successful and hears that it's like well but those people do a lot of things right so we but it's the one thing at the time mm. that makes a difference right i have no problems if you have 12 different businesses 13 streams of income i don't care mm. it's it's how you do it exactly right? because it's how you do it and also did you guys know that the actual quote that you just use the full quote is a jack of all trades, is a master of none. But oftentimes it's better than a master of one, mm. which goes in perfectly to what we were saying It's just like, you want to become a master of one thing, but then you keep learning and growing exactly. and you're like the octopus, right? It's, it's the tentacles of the yeah, octopus. Yeah. I like and that. You keep growing, yeah. but it's one thing at a time and you know what you're doing in that one thing. And then you create a business and then you stay working on the business, no in it. And then you go on to master the next thing.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. Cause we master, we master in a short term rental game master. Okay. Now we build another businesses. Let's go buy some hotels. Let's buy some commercial properties. Yeah. Let's get some car fleets in the mix too. While we at it. Yeah.
2: Hey, <laughs> I, I loved, I had a car on tour a, a little while back pre quarantine. And, and I told Mike, it was, it was fun. And it was very easy business yeah. and money rolls in. Yeah. um and that's the other thing guys like don't you got no excuses now like it's, it's so easy to make money um but do one thing at a time yeah don't be starting a tour a wholesaling airbnb business arbitrage business all in the same week because you're just gonna drive yourself crazy yeah um my brother it's been it's been a pleasure and and i knew yeah. this was gonna be a great episode i had no idea you were from nigeria my, yeah. my wife is from angola Oh,
0: really? Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah,
2: dude. Small world. Yeah. Um. So I I love that you're, I I consider myself an an African now, just out of yeah. marriage. I, <laughs> I think it's also kind of cool swag. I'm yeah, like, yeah, you're, yeah. A, you're a fellow African brother of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so it. yeah, bro. So awesome, man. Such a pleasure having you. You're you great educator. Um. I've learned a ton. I have a ton of notes here. Um. So yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Uh listen, this is great. Uh man, I didn't know y'all y'all be having fun like this on the podcast. I should have been on this mug, man. This is awesome. We've man. been trying though. You know our yeah, defense. Yeah, we've been yeah. trying to get awesome, you on man. here for a minute. That's so a y'all, y'all y'all doing amazing things, man. Appreciate y'all because you guys are part of the positive movement in the short-term mental space, right? Your stuff like this, platforms that you guys have is important in the trajectory of the entire short-term mental economy. So y'all please continue to stay encouraged. Y'all keep it up and continue to advocate value to the marketplace man i'm super super happy that you guys are doing this i'm proud to have been on here now i can actually say i've been on a short-term rental secrets <laughs> podcast <laughs> i can actually say it with my chest held high, and uh we good so i appreciate y'all for sure yeah absolutely brother appreciate you again thank you so much and uh
1: we'll talk soon no problem oh, yeah we're gonna be talking soon brother talk soon